the act of closeout is hugely important because there's impacts to what comes after that too. So it's kind of that legacy with Shuttle. It's just paying that forward continually to make sure you do things correctly up front and at the end in order to set up the next thing after that. That meant the closeout of or addressing of at least over 400 facilities, hundreds and thousands of line items of personal property, and how to do that as efficient as possible. That's a massive undertaking in itself that hasn't been done on that scale probably ever. Welcome back to Small Steps, Giant Leaps, a NASA Apple Knowledge Services podcast where we tap into project experiences to share best practices, lessons learned, and novel ideas. I'm Dina Nunley. When John Young and Bob Crippen flew the first space shuttle mission 40 years ago this month, it's safe to say space shuttle program closeout activities were probably not top of mind for anyone. But 30 years after that historic first flight, this space shuttle was retired, and NASA executed closeout of one of the agency's largest and longest duration programs. The closeout phase of a program or project life cycle doesn't receive the same attention as other phases. Project managers are asked to start closeout planning early in the project life cycle, but often lack the knowledge or resources to do it. Today on the podcast, Gateway Deep Space Logistics Associate Manager Johnny Wynn from NASA's Kennedy Space Center will share his experiences helping to lead space shuttle program closeout activities and discuss how insight gained through the complexity of closing a program of such magnitude can be applied to current programs. Johnny, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Of course, thanks for having me. As we reflect on the first flight of the space shuttle era, what stand out to you as the greatest achievements of shuttle? Wow, great question. Um, So first of all, I wasn't around for the first flight, so I'm not that old yet, at least. I'm getting there. Um, So yeah, of the shuttle three-year program lifespan, I've been around with it for the last 10 plus years of it. Um, I think what I reflect most on looking back on the time frame is how the shuttle program kind of made low earth orbit, low earth space flight kind of boring. And that in itself is kind of, it's kind of impressive thinking about it became such a part of society that, Oh, Hey, look, another shuttle going up, doing something cool. I'm sure. And it just became kind of normal. And, And I think that's a testament to what the shuttle program did over its lifespan. And I think when we look at some of the other, commercial providers these days too, you know, whether it's the um, Blue Origins or SpaceX with their new Starship launches, you know, it's a lot of testing, it's a lot of explosions sometimes as they're learning their way through this. And that may look exciting, but then again, drawing that contrast to what Shoto program did, at least towards the, towards the end of it, at least it was, you know, it was just an everyday kind of thing, you know, Shoto landed, we processed it around for three or four months and up it went again. And it became kind of that normal. It not, not quite the vision of the of a airport where flights were taken off every day, but still that feel of it was was there for sure. Mm-hmm. And what was your involvement with the space shuttle program? I actually hired in um, into NASA working on the shuttle program. I had bounced around quite a bit to different um, uh, internships before um, hiring in full time. But when I did get in, I worked on the orbital maneuvering system and the reaction control system for the shuttle, basically all the thrusters. So for 
five years almost working on that system. I was in charge of just the processing, turning it around the vehicles so shuttle would land. And from that moment, it landed on the shuttle landing facility to the point it took off again on, on launch day. That turnaround effort to make sure the systems were checked out, all the um, components were working correctly, um, any maintenance, any, any replacements that had to happen, loading the propellants, all that good stuff was part of um, my day job back then. That, that job was obviously super exciting. I got to sit in on, on launch days. Um, I got to participate in uh, landing recoveries. If in the uh, rare occurrence it landed over in Dryden due to weather or whatever uh, was preventing it from landing at Kennedy. Um, and then later on towards, uh, was it 2003 when the Columbia accident happened, I was also part of the, um, the, the team that helped comb through the massive amounts of data and the massive amounts of documents as part of our research in, into and what fed into the, uh, the CABE report for that as well. Um, and then from there, I did some management intern jobs. And then ultimately, I ended my career with, uh, with the uh, space shuttle side doing transition retirement, so which is the, the entire closeout of the, of the whole program for, for Kennedy Space Center. What are some of the key takeaways from your supportive shuttle program closeout? You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. When I reflect back on that time, you know, you get hired in, you get in, engrossed into the system, the specific discipline that you're working on. And like I said before, I, my, my thing was the, sh- the, uh, the shuttle thrusters for a specific vehicle. So doing that for so many years and then finally being um, changing the position, the job duties to do the shuttle retirement and closeout. It really opened my eyes. Like for, for the first time, kind of it was like, wow. So this is what the rest of the center does. This is the rest, what the rest of the agency does. You know, it was just such an eye-opening experience because, in terms of transition, retirement, closeout of a massive program like this that spread at multiple centers, you know, it's just a huge undertaking from from a Kennedy Space Center perspective. That meant the closeout of or addressing of at least over four hundred facilities hundreds and thousands of line items of personal property and how to do that as efficient as possible. You know, so that's a massive undertaking in itself that hasn't been done on that scale probably ever. So it, for me, it was just such a huge learning opportunity and, and honestly a chance to fail. I mean, when I look back on what I did back then, my first time fumbling through budgets and resources um, experiencing what the institutional side of the house does in terms of environmental remediation, personal property, artifacts, mementos, historical preservation, records retention, all the stuff that, as a typical engineer, you don't really think about too much of. But now, in terms of closeout, how do you address all these things for that massive amount of data and equipment out there? And then, it's not just you doing it, obviously, it's a whole like a a huge team in order to make this happen. So how do you communicate what needs to happen to the folks who, who are doing it in a way that that is efficient basically, you know, and, and again, at that point in the 2010 timeframe, 2011 timeframe, the next big NASA program is the constellation program. You know, so at that point, a bit of our mantra was basically the more efficient we can do shuttle closeout, the more money the agency will have for our follow-up program. 
you know so that was a lot of stuff to take in as a as a uh, middle grade engineer uh, stepping into project management for the first time so it it was a lot of learning i i when to reflect back upon that i for sure thank my boss for giving me the the leeway to go explore to go fail um and ultimately learn and and create those relationships with those key people to to make things happen um one more phrase that stands out for sure is the yes if phrase you may have heard that too dina it's it's the idea of like don't just tell me why we can't do it tell me how we can do it and what it would take no matter how crazy it is no matter how much money it might take or how many people or how much time it takes just tell me that yes if answer and then from there we can at least have data to work with to to develop a solution for this do you think that helped people to be more accepting of what you were doing in terms of closing out such a large program? I think so. It probably depends on each particular person and where that individual's future lies. But from a from a 10,000-foot level a little bit, like the idea that the more efficiently we do our job, the more we would have devoted resource-wise to the next program, I think it helped. I, I think it, it gave people, it gave me at least a a direction to aim for and a reason for why, because most of the time working shuttle close out, what it really meant was the faster you close out, the faster folks would be laid off. Right. And that's not a happy thing, obviously, especially for a tight knit community as Kennedy space center is. Those are people's jobs there and the shuttle program paid for a lot of that stuff. So the faster I did my job, the faster somebody else would be out of a job, pretty much. And that's not a happy way of thinking about it, not motivating at all, and not uh, conducive to um, where, where we were trying to go towards. So the rallying cry of every dollar saved would be a dollar for the next program helped in the sense that there is a future there. There is something coming after shuttle. This is not just the simple end of it. There's something coming after that, and with that next program, came more missions, more focus, more exploration, different types of jobs. I think it just helped people see that there is a next thing after that, something to aim for at least. Based on your experience with shuttle closeout activities, what are your thoughts on the people aspect of planning and implementing these types of activities? I I think the people is everything. It's like... They teach us as leaders, as project managers, that it's about the people. You have to take care of the people. But having gone through um, shuttle closeout in my subsequent experiences in my career, it's just huge. It really is about the mental shift as a leader to shift it from, yes, there's a mission. Yes, there's a goal for this project to accomplish. But still paramount throughout it all is the people. How... Are we treating the folks? How are we treating our teammates? How are we helping them along the way? How are we setting them up for success in the future? And, it, and it, during that time frame, it was extremely hard because, you know, with the shuttle program closing, it had a huge ripple effect in the community, in the cities nearby, in the towns nearby, local businesses. You know, for every impact on Kennedy Space Center, it impacted almost threefold or fourfold in the local community. So, Taking care of the people in the best way possible, you know, is always at the forefront. 
And, and that's what I learned during shuttle closeout. And that's why I still learn and, and develop until today. Like e- even in the gateway program, I think one of the best things about it is how we treat each other and the transparency and just the focus on the culture of the people. Mm-hmm. In your view, what makes closeout activities important? You know, it's it, it's interesting. I, I, I'm I'm actually able to see the other end of the spectrum today in my current job in the Gateway. So right now, I work in a project called Deep Space Logistics, where we're working to develop the commercial service capability to deliver cargo and supplies to the lunar vicinity for the uh, future missions for astronauts to get um, back on the moon. So it's in a very formulation and development stage right now, building up the brand new budgets, building up the brand new uh, capabilities, planning for that future. And then having come from the shuttle close outside of the spectrum of a program's life cycle, you know, it's rarely thought of in the upfront part to think about the closeout piece at the end. You know, most people don't think they'll be around maybe by, by the time their project or program gets closed out. So no need to think about that. You know, at the very beginning of a project or program, you're thinking about budget and selling the capability, trying to make sure, hey, you know, come fund this project of mine because it's mm-hmm. needed for the future. So mm-hmm. you, you've got to kind of undersell it a little bit, perhaps. Yeah, it's a cheap program. We can make this happen for this low, low cost of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, but once you get funded, once you're into it, then you're like, oh, man, then we have to close this thing, thing out one day. And that's going to be a lot of effort sometimes, you know. So for, for me, I kind of related to like, it's, it's almost like a relationship. Like you've got to have the closure in a relationship in order to, in order to move on to the next thing. You know, if you don't close it out correctly, there could be baggage to deal with later on. You know, baggage in this case would be stuff like that I leave behind hazardous material that should have been treated. That I leave behind a bunch of documents that should have been archived. Um, it, it could be anything. So the, the act of closeout is hugely important because there's impacts to what comes after that too. So it's kind of that legacy with shuttle. It's just paying that forward continually to make sure you do things correctly up front and at the end in order to set up the next thing after that. How would you characterize the impact of the shuttle program's legacy knowledge? You know, I, I, I think shuttle legacy is with us even if we, some people don't realize it. At, um, at Kennedy Space Center, we have a really good onboarding program. It's the new employee orientation. So folks who get hired in, they get um, immersed in a, in a few days of everything Kennedy Space Center. Here's who all the orgs are. Here's what they do. Here's all the employee resource groups, all that good stuff. So it's a great crash course um, into onboarding at Kennedy. And I'm lucky enough to be part of that agenda, I I get to talk about a topic called governance and culture. And in it, you know, I I do highlight, here's why the agency and the center is organized the way we are. And some elements of that is because of shuttle, whether it's the Challenger accident, the Columbia accident, how it gave birth to things like the independent tech authorities, uh, formalizing uh, dissenting opinions, all that stuff is, is who we are and why we organize the way we are and why we make the decisions in the way we do. So new employees coming in, they may not realize it unless they do the, do the history research on it. 
but it's there. The, the legacy of shuttle is embedded into the DNA of NASA as we continue to add on more lessons and more accomplishments along the way. So how do closeout activities and legacy knowledge influence future mission success? Again, I think I go back to the culture of what Shuttle did. It suffered two major accidents during the span of 30 years, which in itself is a bit of a testament. But that culture of rigorous program project management, um, having thorough conversation at every level in the governance structure of acclimating people to the idea that space flight could be normal. I think those are some of the lessons that all programs subsequent to that still carry on into that. And I think part of the, the legacy of the knowledge that comes into future missions is knowing what you have to plan for later on. Like for me specifically, knowing what it took to close out such a huge undertaking I can keep that in my mind as I plan for this new project. You know, it's kind of like, um, what's that analogy? Maybe like sort of like moving out of a house into a, and, and designing a, your your new house. You know, the act of moving out of your house, you start realizing, oh my God, I have so much stuff in this house. Why do I have so much stuff? How did I accumulate all these things? You know, and in, in the act of closing that out and moving out of the house, you get rid of things probably. And then you make more of an intentional uh, thought process that, okay, for this new house, I'm going to be more structured into what I get for it, that I don't need these other things. I never use these things for my old house. I won't need it for my new house. So it basically is just that lesson. But, you know, taking that in, in, into the next follow-on pro- program and project and trying to embed it into the DNA of that new thing, whether it's in the governance structure of it, the program plan, project plan, um, how decisions are made, all that stuff, I think, factors into it. Johnny, what do you see as some of the key advancements that have occurred during these 40 years since the first flight of shuttle that helped pave the way for Artemis' success? It's probably no surprise to anybody here, but to me, the big, huge deal has been the commercial partners and providers that we have these days. You know, back in shuttle days with the International Space Station, we were used to getting or got used to getting international participation, international partnerships working across borders for a common goal. Um, There's something called the Global Exploration Roadmap that kind of lays out all the space agencies around the world, what their efforts are in the next, you know, uh, future plans and how it all kind of fits together. Not that we're ever seeking approval from each other, but it kind of just shows how it all maps together so that we're not duplicating each other's missions, for, for, for example. So, so I think some of, the, some, some of those lessons are now embedded into Artemis as well. You know, you see that with the Artemis Accords. Um, you know, ISS laid the groundwork for international partnerships participation, and that's carried onward now into Artemis Accords as well. And then on top of that is the commercial partnerships. You know, that was paved the way by commercial crew program, uh, the International Space Station's cargo resupply missions. They've just become such a component into how we make things happen. Maybe the more traditional days of the government going going it alone and building the whole thing by itself. It might have, you know, that, that, that may be in the past these days where 
I can only see in the future moving more and more towards closer and closer commercial partnerships and providers to making things happen. Um, and, I, and I think that's the whole one. That's the whole goal of the government to a degree to enable the uh, commercial industry to build and then to be self-sustaining as we see now that's, that that's coming with the low earth orbit side. So I think that the same will happen eventually once we get out into deeper space as well. Great insights. Thank you so much for taking time to share all of this with us today, Johnny. It's really been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, Dina. Any closing thoughts? You know, here we are in the, in the um, work from home pandemic situation. It's hard, I think, as a project manager to stay in touch with their team, with each member. But I think it also allows for a different opportunity as well. What might have been, what is harder perhaps to reach out to local teammates might be way easier to reach out to folks that are at other centers or at other geographical locations. So I think my only thought going forward would be there's an opportunity in every situation. There's an opportunity today in how we do project management to leverage the current environment, the current tools we have, and to explore that. You'll find Johnny's bio along with links to shuttle aero resources and a detailed account of STS-1 at apple.nasa.gov slash podcast. A transcript of today's episode is also posted on the website. For more information and interviews about what's happening at NASA, we encourage you to check out other NASA podcasts at nasa.gov slash podcasts. If there's a topic you'd like for us to feature in a future episode, please let us know on Twitter at NASA Apple. That's A-P-P-E-L. And use the hashtag small steps, giant leaps. As always, thanks for listening.